The World Series is on, and in that spirit, YouTube's advertising business keeps looking like a grand slam. It extended its winning streak of 30% plus quarterly growth in Q3, delivering $7.2 billion. Listen on to learn more. This week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon there, of course, at the beginning from End Screen Media. Hey, Colin, how's everything? Uh, everything's great, Will. A beautiful, beautiful day. We're enjoying a bit of a, a warm spell here. It's just lovely. So, uh, yes, great. Um, and we have some really interesting stories to talk about today. We, our main story is going to be, I think, YouTube. But what about uh, what about news stories what caught your eye this week well the primary story that caught my eye this week Colin was Comcast's announcement that Apple that it's incorporating Apple TV plus into its various devices so that includes the um, the Xfinity X1 the set-top box of course the flex device that the broadband users have and its new X-Class TV and Skyglass TV uh, platform, smart TVs. And so, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily huge news that another app is being added to these different platforms. Comcast already has a whole bunch of different apps available. Um, I, I think what's maybe a little bit more significant, what kind of caught my eye is that we know that Apple has historically wanted its streaming service to only be available on its own devices. And it started easing up on that restriction probably at least a couple of years ago now. And this new integration with the Comcast devices is just another step in that direction that Apple TV, Apple is willing to put Apple TV Plus on another non-Apple device. And then I would just say, you know, looking at it from the other point of view, of course, Comcast, <laughs> its roots are as a cable TV operator, and it was not until relatively recently that it started putting other video apps on its devices. So I know it has YouTube and, of course, Netflix. I think Amazon is in there, and I know there are a bunch of others. I haven't looked at it relatively recently. So I guess you could say that there's some symmetry on both sides of this deal of companies that historically were relatively closed in terms of how they looked at services that would run through their own proprietary devices and are now becoming much more open. And I think that's really a sign of the times in terms of how streaming and over-the-top and connected TV devices have really kind of driven open the ecosystem and untethered services from devices. And of course, we all know that from bringing home any brand of stick or box or TV or certainly on your mobile device that everything is available just as it is with the internet. And so I thought this deal between the two companies just signified yet another milestone in that evolution of how the whole TV and video ecosystem is unfolding. What do you think? Yeah, I remember when we were quite surprised that Comcast agreed to allow Fire TV, um, excuse me, Amazon Prime Video 
onto its set-top boxes because it brought along all of the subscriptions that people had to other services like HBO and, and whatnot. And that was, I think, quite shocking. That happened a couple of years ago, and I know we talked about that on the podcast. And now it's happened with Apple because, of course, with Apple TV, you can subscribe to a bunch of other stuff as well. And now that's available on the Comcast set-top box. So it's exactly as you say, well, it's, everything now is much more open. The name of the game for Comcast is making sure that all the key services, whatever they're bringing, are available on their set-top boxes. So, uh, yeah, I think it's probably a pretty good move for, for Comcast because undoubtedly those people who are Apple users, and there are probably a lot of them, uh, would be very pleased to see that this is now available there so that they can watch anything that they've subscribed to. And, of course, the Apple TV Plus and Ted Lasso and all of the other great content that's in that service. Yeah, one other quick thing I'd add, Colin, before we get to your news item, is that I think both of these companies, Apple and Comcast, are have found themselves in a place where they're playing catch-up ball in the whole streaming space. And, you know, that's a topic of conversation for another day. We've talked about both these companies on the podcast in the past. But I think as you, you know, consider both of their positions relative to uh, you know, a YouTube or a Netflix or an Amazon. Um, I think both these companies have a lot of ground to make up. So it's probably a good thing that they're, uh, you know, at least looking to one another to help themselves. And again, I think it's a sign of the times. I do too. Uh, so what's so anyway, well, yes, what caught my eye was, well, I think we mentioned that Amazon had announced that they were going to be delivering TVs powered by Fire TV. Well, the announcement became reality on the 27th. They released uh, the Fire TV Omni series and the 4 series. And boy, they're priced very aggressively. The 4 series starts at uh, $370 for a 43-inch. And the Omni series starts at $410 for a 43-inch. And uh, they go all the way, the Omni goes all the way up to 75 inches and the 4 Series to 55. Uh, and uh, I suppose the only wrinkle here, the only differentiation from other TVs is that they're fully integrated with Amazon's IoT equipment, including the ring doorbell and the light dimming and all of that. Um, so, so there's that, but otherwise I don't think there's anything particularly that distinguishes these team TVs from others, but I got to say, well, they're going to sell a ton of them because of course, uh, Amazon is the biggest e-tailer in the world. And, uh, there'll be a lot of people who get those TVs pushed at them when they're searching for a new television. And is the Dixon household going to be welcoming an Omni TV home, uh, this holiday season? Well, I don't think so, Will. I think we're fully stocked <laughs> with TVs at the moment. I just, uh, I just purchased a new, a new TV, and I don't think I want to buy another one. So, well, no. Colin, if if you if you have four or fewer smart TVs in your house, then you're probably below the American average right now. So, I don't know how many you have, but you really don't want to fall behind. No, no. Well, the only major brand I'm missing is LG. So. <laughs> That's that's maybe a to do, but I certainly I've got my uh, my Amazon Fire TV Cube, so I've got that experience already. So, but anyway, I think it's probably time for us to get on and talk about our main topic. You're going to lead us off, right? 
Right. Well, our main topic this week is YouTube's YouTube advertising's blowout performance in Q3 of 2021, which I wrote about this week. And it's just breathtaking to see the role that this company is on uh, right now, specifically in advertising. They're actually doing very well in subscriptions as well. They uh, they pull back the curtain just a little bit to say that they now have over 50 million premium subscriptions. Uh, but that's not what we really want to talk about today. What we want to talk about is advertising. And as if YouTube was not already, actually take a step back, as if Google itself was not the 800-pound gorilla in digital advertising and YouTube wasn't the 800-pound gorilla in online video advertising, this Q3 of 2021 put a further exclamation mark on that. So just a a few quick facts to share. YouTube advertising up 43% to $7.2 billion in Q3 of 21. That means that in seven of the last eight quarters, YouTube advertising has grown by over 30% each quarter. The only quarter that it didn't grow by 30% was Q2 of 20, which of course was the hard, hardest hit COVID quarter. It grew by 5.8% that quarter, and that quarter saw lots and lots of companies' revenue actually drop pretty significantly. So um, that's what's happened over the last seven of the last eight quarters, Forty-three up 43%. That was actually cooled off just a little bit from the past several quarters. In Q2, it was up 84%. Q1, it was up 49%. Q4 of 20, it was up 46%. And um, again, just to put that growth into further perspective, in Q3 of 19, they did um, uh, 3.8 billion in YouTube advertising. This quarter, again, Q3 of 21, two years later, they did 7.2 billion. That means that they've added $3.4 billion of advertising dollar growth in the past two years, okay, 3.4 billion of dollar growth. That's about a 90% increase. And if you were to look at YouTube as a standalone company, a standalone company, it's probably worth north of $350 billion now. It could be even worth $400 billion. It's, it's obviously very hard to tell what kind of multiple of revenues would be assigned to it. Just to put that into perspective, 2006, 15 years ago, actually it was October of 2006, Google paid $1.65 billion for YouTube. So that means YouTube is now worth over 200 times what Google acquired it for 15 years ago. And as I said in my piece, if there's anything else you can think of that's worth more than 200 times what it was worth 15 years ago, please let me know. That's a real brain teaser right there. And, you know, what's happening underneath this performance, what's really driving it, is that YouTube advertising is increasingly becoming all about the lower part of the funnel. And that's marketer speak for uh, ads that really drive, are meant to drive conversion. And that could be conversion to purchase or subscription or entering your email address into a form, you name it. But I think primarily it's about commerce and subscriptions. And, you know, Alphabet senior management is always very careful, very 
sort of reticent with the details that it shares, not just about YouTube, but about the business overall. Google historically has always been a bit of a black box for Wall Street analysts to fully understand. But as long as they put up these huge numbers, everybody seems to be willing to go along for the ride. And this quarter, they talked again, again, not in specific detail, but at least at a level that you could sort of understand the gist of what's happening at YouTube. And again, the gist is really all about how YouTube is converting itself right in front of our eyes from what was primarily kind of a branding medium, the upper funnel metrics, if you will, reach and awareness. You think about those ads that play for five seconds, they count down and then you can skip them. Uh, you know, that's been sort of bread and butter for YouTube for a long, long time. But now what's happening is that the ads are much more about conversion, the lower funnel metrics, getting you to buy, getting you interested, getting you to subscribe, etc. And this type of lower funnel digital advertising is very formulaic. Once a marketer proves in the formula, how much they're spending, what kind of conversion they get, what the value of that new thing is, whether it's a purchase or a subscription or whatever, and more importantly, what the lifetime value of that thing is that has been created, that new subscriber or that purchase or whatever you know it may be. Once they do that and the formula proves in, then it's basically opening the spending spigot to full blast because it's a it's an infinitely positive ROI on their spending. And that's really what's been behind this massive growth of Google and Facebook and the other companies that specialize in digital advertising is that they've been able to tap into these essentially unlimited budgets once the formula is proven in. That's basically what's happening with YouTube right now. And, you know, the last thing I would just say about this is that YouTube, I think, is very much focused now on the intersection of video and commerce. And this combination of the best of TV, sight, sound, and motion, with the best of digital, the optimization, the targeting, the performance, um, you know, the attribution, the measurability, etc. This combination has really never been seen before. And I think that's what really makes connected TV advertising so exciting is that it brings together the both of these. And YouTube management called out CTV as its fastest growing platform also. And YouTube is actually not alone in this. There are a bunch of other companies that are very much focused on this intersection of commerce and video slash CTV advertising. And that includes companies like Amazon, of course, um, but others like Snap and Pinterest, even established media companies like NBC Universal have talked at length about their plans at the intersection of commerce and advertising. So I think this is really the beginning of a multi-year theme that we're going to see going forward. And really, I think ultimately what's going to account for the vast majority of connected TV advertising spending is, again, this notion of the lower funnel spending, the spending that's driven by pure performance, conversion, 
formulaic metrics. Brand and awareness, uh, reach and awareness are still going to be very important in CTV. But I think over time, it's these lower funnel metrics that are going to really rule the roost. So anyway, I didn't mean to go on too long, Colin, but this YouTube advertising thing is really something to behold, as I've as I've written out several times. Yeah, yeah, I think it is, Will. It's it's pretty impressive. I will say, though, that um, others also saw a very positive quarter. I was looking at um, Comcast numbers, NBCU, and I noted that NBCU saw a pretty darn big 20% bump in their advertising revenue coming in in this quarter. Um, and that was, I think, pretty impressive as well. So I think it's just uh, certainly this this quarter in particular has been pretty good for advertising generally, but still, uh, YouTube is way outperforming uh, that, wouldn't you say? Um, well, and, and other... I, would, I would also interject quickly that it hasn't been uniformly positive. I mean, Snap no, no, no. was down, and there's a whole other dynamic that we're not going to get into today around you know how Apple has changed the privacy uh, you know formulation for iPhone users that has really limited data availability to some of these companies, and Snap was you know, among the hardest hit of those companies. So it's not a uniform, it's not a uniform thing. I just wanted to point that out. Right, right. But but I also to give it a little bit of perspective, uh, Will, I was, I, I looked at 2020, uh, Google's 2020 revenue versus their 2021 revenue. And YouTube ads increased their share of the overall revenue from 10.9% to 11.1%. So that's a, 0.2% share increase. But just to give us some perspective, YouTube search increased its share from 57% to 58.2%. That's a 1.2% share increase. So even though YouTube ads did do great, uh, YouTube's, uh, excuse me, Google's regular advertising business with its search did even better. So <laughs> It's, it was a pretty um, a pretty interesting uh, gr- growth across the board there. Um, but actually, one of the things I did want to zero in on was CTV. Of course, as you so rightly identify, it's a really important platform for YouTube now. They say 120 million US people are watching uh, Google on watching YouTube on CTVs, and. They, they announced this year that they were going to start providing interactive ads um, in that sphere. And actually, they just rolled those ads. Uh, I think that I'm not sure they've delivered them yet in the US, but they are just starting to do them in Australia. I guess they're testing that market out there. Uh, and this is YouTube brand extension. So basically what's going on, the sort of thing they're doing here is they're making it easy for you to click on an ad and transfer a URL to your mobile so that you can browse more easily. And I really like this model. I think that's a much more natural place to browse and get more information than on the television screen. Um, so I really like this model a lot. And and I was thinking about... Um, as our listeners may remember, I've had a long history with interactive um, interactive television. Um, I was in it in the you know in the late nineties and to all through the aughts in the early two thousands. And um, the, the, one of the problems with interactive television, I think, um, was that it wasn't targeted. It and what that meant is an offer 
that you saw on an ad was an offer that everybody saw on the ad. So not only was the ad not targeted, that the offer was not targeted. So it, it just became, I think, annoying to people. And what Google has really fixed here in the YouTube, these um, uh, brand extensions, is the ad is targeted. So when the interactivity shows up to get the URL, that is reaching an audience that is already predisposed to be interested in that ad. So I think that brand extensions is going to do really well. Not only is it a, a good way of, of introducing the interactivity on the mobile, but it's targeted right. So I have a feeling that brand extensions are going to do really well for YouTube on, on TV and be actually a real differentiator for the experience of advertising supported content on that platform. Um, so, you know, that's looking forward. I, I think that's going to be pretty strong for them as well and, and really contribute to another uh, even stronger growth in YouTube ad revenue going forward. Yeah, I think that's right, Colin. And again, that's another example of, of lower funnel. Where oh, abso trying, absolutely. That's you know, all lower funnel. Yeah, where they're trying to incent a particular behavior. And if they do so, then that can be loaded right into the formula by the advertiser as a way of judging what the value of you know, spending that amount of money on that ad actually was. So I, I completely agree with that. You know, I wanted to say, Colin, tied into the idea of targeting, which you just raised, that it's it's been very interesting to me watching baseball over the past couple of weeks. And I don't watch a ton of baseball during the regular season, but I did watch the ALCS with the Red Sox and the Astros, RIP Red Sox. That was obviously a pretty tough uh, come down from the streak that they were on to going to red hot to ice cold overnight, basically. But, <laughs> um, but be that as it may, you know, when I sit there and I watch these games, and then I've watched a little bit of the World Series as well, and I see the ads that play, and I see these ads for these companies over and over and over again for yeah. these companies like Loan Depot for mortgages, for Ford trucks, for Chipotle, for these different insurance companies like Liberty and Geico and, you know, everyone, Allstate, State Farm, they're all trying to sort of out-clever one another. And I watch these ads, and the thing that just really strikes me is that I have no interest, none whatsoever, nor any purchase history with any of these companies, and even more broadly speaking, not with many of the categories. Like, literally, I'm not in the market for a mortgage, haven't been for years. I've never bought a pickup truck in my life, and there's nothing in my sort of demographic profile that would suggest that I would be in the market for a pickup truck. I don't particularly care for Mexican food, and I've never once visited a Chipotle. I've never, literally never even been inside a Chipotle restaurant. And when it comes to insurance, like, I've had the same carriers for my home and auto for I don't know how many years now. I'm literally so out of the market for shopping for any type of new insurance. And yet I see these ads one after the next that are completely irrelevant for me. And I just think to myself, like, here I am writing about connected TV advertising and targeting and optimization and all this stuff on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet then I sit down and watch the ALCS 
And it's one untargeted ad after the next. Literally millions and millions of dollars of wasted advertising spending. Not, of course, on me personally, but across the entire universe yeah. of people who are seeing these ads that have no interest. I raise that only by way of saying that when I think about how big the opportunity is here going forward for targeted ads that are optimized, that can be measured, that have attribution, it's just, it's just immense to me. I mean, I look at that, those games and think about all those ads, every single one of them being replaced with an ad that would be relevant to me and my life not only how much better the experience would be for me, but how much more upside there would be for the companies that are advertising to me with my interests in mind. It's just, I mean, it literally feels like we're in the first inning of this entire thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Not to, yeah, not to sort of mix metaphors. <laughs> it, it sure does. And I, I got to tell you, I've, I've looked at um, just how powerful the influencers are on YouTube with their audiences in guiding them to products and services and they really are very, very powerful. And I noted that one of the things that they were talking about in the earnings call um, with YouTube Select, which is what the YouTube Preferred program has just been re retitled YouTube Select, one of the things that they're doing is they're pairing advertisers with popular and relevant creators and channels. And this, this is... You know, another example of where they're really getting, I think, well ahead of the crowd because they're helping they're helping advertisers now connect with the people that are most influential in the groups that they want to reach. Um, so this is, I mean, this is just it's such a powerful program, and you couple that with with all of the targeting and and the interactive advertising, and and this is just such a powerful model. Yeah, but Colin, I, I think to be fair, what you just talked about exists almost as a completely parallel universe to what I'm talking about with the ads during the ALCS and the World Series. It, it does. I, I think there's I think there's virtually no overlap between them. And you know, one thing that I didn't mention that I probably should have when I was giving my little experience right there is I watched the ALCS and the World Series on YouTube TV. That's my service provider. So even as I'm talking about how you know amazing the growth has been in YouTube advertising, how much targeting, how they're doing all the lower funnel stuff, et cetera, when it comes to the World Series, it's a completely parallel universe to what we're talking about and to what you just described. It's completely untargeted, complete reach and frequency, complete traditional TV advertising based on GRPs. There's, there's virtually, or at least I should say it feels like, there's virtually no intersection between what we were talking about at the beginning of this discussion and what is actually happening during the ALCS and World Series. You know, that, that is kind of surprising to me, Will, because you know that YouTube TV is getting some of that inventory. That means that they're not targeting it in, in, the, in that game. I, that, that's really surprising to me because that, isn't that inventory part of YouTube Select? I thought it was. Colin, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I can't say with any accuracy exactly what's going on here. I, I would just say that my sense is that we are still light years away from the kind of stuff that we talk about here being actualized fully mm -hmm. across all of the viewership. We're just yeah. light years away from that. 
you know, when you say, well, shouldn't that be the YouTube premium? Shouldn't that be in the inventory? You know, I think the short answer is, yeah, it probably should be. But like actually activating that in reality is still, I think we're still a long, long way away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anybody from Google is listening, we would be really interested <laughs> to understand what's going on there with YouTube and YouTube TV and why those, why at least a portion of those ads aren't being targeted. It sounds like a, a missed opportunity and a bit of a mystery bearing in mind how much effort they're putting in in, in so many other places. I think the short answer, Colin, is that the world moves at its own pace and YouTube and Google have moved a long, long way in online video advertising and now in CTV advertising and also in mobile. We shouldn't discount mobile as well. But when it comes to the pure TV experience, the pure realm of TV advertising, there's still a lot of ground to go. I think there's still a lot of ground to go, which is actually, I think, really exciting. I mean, it shows yeah. that yeah. there's just huge opportunity, huge opportunity yet ahead for everybody who's playing in the space, whether it's YouTube, Roku, Amazon, NBC Universal, Hulu, HBO Max, the list goes on and on. There's just tons of opportunity for all of them going forward. Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with you. But you know what? I think we're just about out of time for this week, Will. I think we are, Colin. So to be continued, because Q4 for YouTube advertising is going to be massive. No question about that. The only tempering factor is that it's going to come off a massive base in Q4 of 20. So we'll see what kind of number they put up. But this conversation to be continued for sure. Yeah, I think it should be. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just want to put a plug out there for us maybe to take on uh, that topic of of the way the smart TV providers are changing, you know, we've had uh, you, we've, we've got Amazon in there now, we've got Comcast in there now. Uh, it's uh, probably a subject that we should also pick up in a, in a not not too far distant future show. We will. All right, Colin. Good chatting as always. Thanks everybody for listening in on this week's edition of Inside the Stream, and we will see you all again next week. Production of in-screen media and video news. All rights reserved.